Welcome to CCFA Perspectives on ReachMD, providing Crohn's and colitis updates, dividing innovation in IBD research, education, and clinical support. This series is produced in collaboration with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. This is ReachMD, and I'm Rondell Domelisi, Area Executive Director of the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. We're broadcasting today from CCFA's Take Steps Walk in Philadelphia, and with me is Dr. Judith Kelson. Welcome, Hi. Judith. Thank you. So nice to have you here. Thank you. Dr. Kelson is the attending physician in the Division of Gastroenterology, Hepatology, and Nutrition at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. She is also the program director for the Very Early Onset IBD Clinic. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So there are many physicians who listen into this broadcast. What do you think are the most important things for them to know about Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis? I think in general, it's a very common disease. It's becoming more common. And so I think one thing everyone needs to understand is that the incidence is increasing for a variety of reasons and that it's a progressive disease. So it might start in a sort of inflammatory process, but if you don't treat the disease effectively in the beginning, it could become more complicated with strictures and fistulae. So I think the most important thing is early detection, early understanding of what the disease is to get it under control as early as possible. And in order for that to happen, we need to make sure we diagnose as quickly as possible. So what are some of the signs and symptoms that are most common in Crohn's and colitis? You know, it's different for different ages. Mm -hmm. So for very young children, they might have rectal bleeding or diarrhea. Older kids might just present with abdominal pain or actually no symptoms at all. In pediatrics, you might just present with poor growth. And I think one thing that's really important to understand is that they might not be complaining children, but they might just not meet their correct or, or we think the potential for their height or weight should be. So growth failure is the first thing I think a physician should act upon or notice. And then for older patients or adults, you know, typically it's diarrhea or abdominal pain. So you work with a very particular group of pediatric patients, very young. Uh, What are the treatment options for children that young, and are there some new things coming down the pipeline for them? So very early onset IBD, that's IBD diagnosed less than five, and it can look different. It can present different than older children, so they might just have disease of the colon, or they might just have a very severe presentation. So treatment is really very individualized. Our goal at CHOP in the VEO IBD clinic is to actually understand why each of these patients have the disease. So we look at their genetics, we look at their immune system, and then we try to figure out for each individual child based on those factors what the right therapy might be. Some of those patients receive the same therapies that older children receive. So they might get Remicade, they might get antibiotic therapy. But we also use therapy that the immunologists might be using. So we try to figure out if it's a specific defect of their immune system. And if it is, then we'll use those therapies. And then there are some children who we can actually figure out that there's one gene that causes their disease. So that's known as a monogenic defect. So if we figure out what that one gene defect is, then we really, really focus on therapy directed just to that pathway. Some of that's a very drastic radical therapy, like a bone marrow transplant. 
But then those patients are completely cured of their disease wow. going forward. That's exciting. So it's exciting. It's really, really exciting. Yeah. And I know you see CFA obviously funds a lot of research across the country and around the world, and you've been the recipient of yes. some of CCFA's <laughs> research funding. Talk a little bit about the research specifically that you're working on now. Yeah. So a lot of the research is geared toward this particular patient population. So we do whole exome sequencing. So we look at all the genes of the, that particular patient, but also of their parents. And so we try to figure out, again, if there's one gene, or very frequently it's not one gene, but a whole pathway that's involved with their disease. And then we combine our gene findings with a different assays to validate what we're finding. So it's a very collaborative team approach. It's not just GI in our team, but it's also immunology, microbiology, genetics. We all meet together and we review the different genes lists that we've made up for each patient and we combine them with their immune system. And then we're also looking at the microbiome of all these patients. So we get samples of these children's microbiome over time and then we try to really put those pieces together, the genetics plus the microbiome for each child. And really our, our major goal is to figure out for each patient what the right individual therapy should be. And it's very frequently not one is the same as the other. They're incredibly unique and incredibly different. That is very exciting. It's, it is. It's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. So I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. You know, thinking of the psychosocial yeah. component of these diseases, and again, you have a very particular population. So how does that play out in the children that you work with, but also their, their whole families, their parents, yeah. trying to live with a lifelong chronic illness? And you could imagine, like, for any age to get the diagnosis of IBD, a chronic disease, it can be devastating. It can be the child self-confidence, depending what age they're diagnosed. So a teenager might have a very different response than a very young child. But for the very young children, it can be really devastating for the parents, particularly if it's in the first year of life and you, you, know, you have this beautiful baby and there's something very wrong that we've detected. So I think it's important from the very get-go to have the social work team, psychologists involved, to make sure the family understands that you know, we're all working to make sure that this child has the same opportunities. And I think that's one of the most important things is to not live your life as though you have a limitation by the disease, but that this is something that you're going to overcome. We're here with you, uh, and that will give you all the resources you need to make sure that you're not limited. You, you go to school. You play baseball, you play basketball, you do everything you want to do. So I think the hardest thing is the thought that that's not going to be there, that you're going to have limitations. So I think our goal is really to make sure that no child's limited by the disease and that they can accomplish the same thing that their friends can accomplish. They go to college in the end, they get a good job, and they get married. So I think that's our major goal because the, the, it is very devastating to have the diagnosis in the first few years of life. I think it's a fear of lost dreams and lost hopes, that it, and it shouldn't be that way. Sure, that's great advice. And, you know, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation also has a lot of resources for education and support. Are there particular things that you have found to be helpful to provide for them? Yeah, I think, you know, support for people whose children are diagnosed at the young age is critical. I think mothers and fathers need to reach out to other mothers and fathers who have a child the same age. And when we've made those connections, the families are so grateful and happy to have another family who go through the same experience. I think understanding that there are therapies and so education for the families to recognize that there is certainly lots of research and education and new drugs that are out there 
Uh, and they, it's good for the families to do that research and understanding so they can have more control in their own fingertips. And the, you know, they're in charge of the disease. The disease is not in charge of them. So I think having companions who have the same problem and having the knowledge that you can overcome, I think, are two powerful things. I hope you don't mind me asking this, but I feel like you have a unique perspective as both a doctor and a patient yourself. Is there anything as a, as a patient, from the patient perspective, that you wish doctors knew and understood? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes. It's, you know, there are times when you're a patient that you feel like you're not going to get out of that particular flare or exacerbation, that there's no way this is going to go down well. And I think it's one thing important for physicians to recognize, to let their patients know that you're in a dark spot right now, but you will get better. Uh, and they have to recognize that the, the patient doesn't realize they're going to get better. <laughs> you have to sort of explain that. And then there's also just the mundane sort of things that are very frustrating. I think, you know, regular belly pain, most patients live with it. They don't realize it's a problem. I can't tell you how many times I meet a patient or myself when you, you're just used to not feeling right. And it's so amazing to when you do feel well to realize what you put up with and what you should not ever put up with again. So I think just knowing that patients are very stoic and to recognize you need to probe and ask questions that they're not going to volunteer to make their lives better, I think is also that's a great helpful. point. Great point. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you would like to make sure our listeners know? I think you asked everything. I think the one thing I would just want to emphasize is that there's so much research that's being done. It's so exciting. And I think that, you know, we've always said that, you know, we think that something's coming close, but I really think that we're right now on the cusp and it's not, I don't think I've ever felt this hopeful before. So I think that the combination of the genomic research, the microbiome research together has really opened up doors that we didn't even know were there. And we're asking questions now that we didn't know to ask a few years ago. So the more that we ask, the more that we look I think the more hopeful it is. And, and I do think it's incredibly exciting that, you know, patients should feel excited that, you know, we're getting closer to understanding the disease. Well, thank you for providing that hope. That's really important. Okay, no problem. This is ReachMD, and I'm your host, Rondell Domelisi. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Judith thank Kelsey, for, for being here today with us and talking about Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. If you'd like to download this podcast and others in this series, please visit ReachMD.com or download the ReachMD app. We welcome you to like, comment, or share this podcast, and we invite you to be part of the knowledge. Thank you so much. You've been listening to CCFA Perspectives on ReachMD, produced in collaboration with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. For access to this and other episodes and to download the ReachMD app, visit ReachMD.com forward slash CCFA.